All right, you ready? Yeah, let's right. go. Juan Carlos, let's go. Hello, everyone. I'm Kimberly Adams. Welcome back to Make Me Smart, where we try to make today make sense. As best we can. As best we as can. Best I'm Kai Rizal. It is Wednesday today, the 6th of December, I think. Yes, it is, in fact, the 6th. Yes, it is indeed. And so today we're going to do some news, then we're going to do some smiles, and we actually both have some smiles today. I know. Uh, so let's I know. Let's get into it, Kai. You can go first. All right. Uh, I will uh, do what I do often on this podcast and just uh, geek out a little bit on the bond market. Um, Mm. So we cover the bond market every day on Marketplace, even if it's only a line at the end of the numbers. Uh, It is important, the bond market is, uh, for two reasons, and I'm talking specifically here about the, the U.S. Treasury market. It is the biggest and most liquid Treasury market on the planet. U.S. government debt is sacrosanct, and at least until Congress decides it's not. And so uh, people trade in U.S. government debt all the time. I mention all of that because the benchmark 10-year U.S. Treasury today sits at the yield on it, the interest rate the government has to pay, sits at about 4.1%. Now, that's important because not three and a half, four weeks ago, it was 4.85, 4.9% and higher. And why does that matter, Kai, you ask? Well, here's why it matters. Why does it matter, Kai? No, number one, number one <laughs> it matters because it can tell us where the economy is going. The bond market is better at that than the stock market is. And what the bond market is saying now is that, hey, you know what? Federal Reserve is becoming happier with the economy. It is going to keep interest rates where they are for now and maybe even start cutting interest rates earlier than anybody had been guessing, perhaps as early as the first quarter of next year, which would be astoundingly early based on what the Fed's been saying. But look, it's it can be risky to bet against, well, it can be risky to bet against the Fed, but it can also be risky to bet against the market. So the market is now damn near unanimous that the Fed's going to start cutting interest rates sooner rather than later. That's number one. Reason number two it matters is that the yield on the 10-year trickles down into all kinds of other interest rates, including mortgage rates, which, as you know, were not too long ago at 7.98% on a 30-year fixed. It translates into car rates and all kinds of other interest rates. So that's uh, uh, item number two. Item number three is that the biggest borrower in the world is the American government. And if the American government can get away with paying 4.1% for 10 years instead of 4.9% in 10 years, that is objectively a good thing for our fiscal health. So the bond market's slowing a bit. Actually, what happens is that the bond market is having a rally and the prices for bonds are going up but the yield goes down, but that's a whole other podcast. Um, mm-hmm. The bond market having a rally and yields going down is a good thing all around. Now, it's a good thing if it happens predictably and without too much of a crash, which is what it's doing now. Um, if it happens without um, uh, apparent cause, that's a bad thing. But this this is a generally speaking good thing. The 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 round trip, as it's called, in bond yields from you know two months ago when it was four point one to damn near five a month ago, and now back at four point one. So that's my geekery on the bond market. So I'm gonna throw the the thing that you like to say sometimes in our editorial meetings back to you. Yes. Why does this matter to my mom? Well, so uh, I don't know about your mom, because older Americans, including my mom, generally don't uh, have to go in and borrow a lot of money. But for Americans Mm -hmm. who are in the market for money, right, because what we're talking about Mm -hmm. here is Americans who need to borrow money. And the the critical thing when you have to borrow money is is how much that money costs you when money Mm -hmm. gets cheaper 
right? That is a good thing, whether it's you have to pay less for your car loan, whether your mortgage loan goes, mortgage rate goes from 7.5 to 7 or 7 to 6.5. Those are objectively good things for economic activity. They let people have more money to spend, and consumers, of course, drive this economy. So broadly speaking, for pretty much Mm -hmm. everybody in America, a falling yield, except our moms who are older (laughs) Americans, and no offense, please don't at me and, you know, all that jazz. (laughs) Um, if my mom listened, she would say, Kai, what does at me mean? But anyway, um, <laughs> um, so generally speaking, it's a good thing, right? It, it gives okay. people more money in their pockets. All right. All right. Uh, there was so much political news today. Mm-hmm. I was really struggling mm-hmm. to winnow it down. So obviously, <laughs> I'm just going to tick through. I mean, we've talked about so much Senator Tommy Tuberville's hold mm-hmm. on um, military nominations uh, or confirmations, I should say. He finally let that go because he was not winning and acknowledged as such. And so it'll be interesting to see, you know, once these folks actually make it through the pipeline, you know, what that actually how long it's going to take the military to recover mm-hmm. from this. And um, so that's one thing. Uh, Kevin McCarthy. Uh, former Speaker of the House, saying that he is planning to leave the House. It's very fascinating when somebody who had that much power not only lost all that power, but Mm -hmm. then just decides to leave the institution. I mean, lots of folks had commented about how he wasn't a fan of being part of sort of the rank and file now without all of the attendant privileges of being speaker. But just to leave altogether kind of ties into what I've been saying the last couple of weeks about how undesirable this particular version of public service is becoming. So there's that. Then uh, tied to our deep dive yesterday, I mean, wow. Yesterday, former President Trump gave an interview with Mm -hmm. Sean Hannity. And I'm just going to read this bit from Politico because it really captures it. Sean Hannity was trying to throw Donald Trump a life vest, and Trump was waving it off. At a town hall in Davenport, Iowa, on the eve of what may be the final Republican primary debate of the campaign, the Fox News host asked the likely GOP nominee whether he had, quote, any plans whatsoever if reelected president to abuse power, to break the law, to use the government to go after people. Trump parried. Hannity probed. He again asked Trump whether he was indeed, quote, promising America tonight that you would never abuse power as retribution against anybody. Except for day one, Trump said. That's a quote, by the way. That is a direct quote. Except for day one. When someone has literally asked this man to his face if he will embrace dictatorial tendencies, he's like, maybe a little bit. And that they're, I don't even know what to say. They're, they're saying it out loud. There was a piece in the New York Times yesterday, which is where I first saw it. I'm sure it was reported elsewhere. Cash Patel, who's, who's one of Trump's lieutenants and has been for a number of years, literally said, we are going to, and this is a quote, go after the media. I don't, I don't, what do you do with that? Uh, we, as you said yesterday... You know, don't pretend like it's a joke. Yeah. We take it seriously and um, but, leave it to American voters to do what we do. But, but the, the other thing that really troubles me, and, and, and I, I, I think about this all the time, you and I have a platform. And, yeah. and obviously other journalists who have a platform and specifically other journalists who think Donald Trump is a threat to the republic. And, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but just to be clear, I'm the one who's saying that. Um, mm. 
when we say it on podcasts like this or in other appearances, we're kind of preaching to the choir, right? Because I'm going to guess that the audience to this podcast, generally speaking, agrees, right? And if you don't, speak up, please, and, and send us a note, you know, 508-UB-SMART or make me smart at marketplace.org and let us know. But, but we're preaching to the choir. And so the question is, how do you reach those who need to be convinced that there's actually a real threat to democracy? Well, and those who think that there should be a threat to the democracy right. as it exists <laughs> right. now, right. because you, it was on NPR a couple of weeks ago, and there have been a couple of other write-ups about, you know, the there's a chunk of members of Congress, uh, particularly yeah. in the House, yeah. and including those in leadership now who genuinely believe that the separation of church and state is a real bad idea and that it shouldn't continue. And that is one of the things that we have considered for generations to be fundamental to the democracy. Um, And so there is a not insignificant section of the United States that probably believes that democracy as it exists shouldn't exist this way anymore. That's one of the reasons why the slogan, Make America Great Mm. Again, resonated with so many people. I remember when I was on the, um, you know, covering the campaign in 2016, and I went to St. Louis and I was interviewing people about, you know, Trump and Clinton. And this, uh, I was outside Ted Drew's Frozen Custard, which is St. Louis institution. And, um, you know, this, I was interviewing this, this older gentleman and he, and I was saying to him, he, he was a Trump supporter. And I said, you know, what do you think of some of Trump's rhetoric about different communities? He's, he said a lot of, you know, very controversial Mm -hmm. things about communities of color and, and immigrants and things like that. And he said to me, um, you know, I don't understand why everybody makes such a big deal about race. You know, when I was growing up, the colored stayed to themselves and we stayed to ourselves. And yeah, he said the colored people stayed to themselves. We stayed to ourselves and everybody got along just fine. And I don't understand why we can't just go back to the way it was. Everything was so much better then. People really got along better. Now, for those who, who are listening on the podcast, and perhaps do not know this, I am a black person, <laughs> very visibly so, a black person. Yeah. And he said this to my face, and you could see his his wife was standing next to him, and the horror as uh, descending on her face as she starts like yanking on oh his arm, God. and he's like, "What?" <laughs> oh my God. But you know, there we'd, we'd be deluding ourselves if we do not recognize that there is whether people say it out loud or not. There's a lot of people who do not like the way that the country is going and are willing to kind of accept whatever to reset. Just like we've talked a lot about abortion on this podcast. And in 2016, I remember very clearly when Donald Trump said in a debate that he committed on stage to nominate pro-life mm-hmm. judges mm-hmm. In a, and in a very forceful way that other candidates were not and scooped up the evangelical Christian vote. And I talked to a lot of evangelical Christians during the 2016 campaign, and I said, you know, this guy doesn't necessarily have the most Christian of backgrounds. And they said, yes, but he's going to help us overturn Roe v. Wade. And that was enough. That was enough. Okay, I've been going on too long. Anyway, uh, as we said yesterday, believe what he says, uh, and let's move on to the smiles. Yep, let's do that. All right, what do you got? 
I had so many feelings today. There were two <laughs> two smiles. I, I really couldn't decide between the two of them. One of them is a mildly petty smile, but as I've said before, I think petty can be a virtue. Um, and then the other one is a just traditional smile. So in Ohio, there was a woman who decided that she was not thrilled with the way that her Chipotle burrito bowl was done and decided that the best way for her to express that would be to take said burrito bowl and throw it in the face of one of the employees, which is not, by the way, for the record, how you're supposed to respond to such events. Um, It was caught on video, went viral. She was arrested and a court, uh, a judge sentenced her to, um, let's see, how long? Uh, She was sentenced to jail. And so the judge said... Okay, the judge sentenced her to 180 days in jail and suspended for 90 of those days. But he said he would give her 60 days of jail credit if she worked at least 20 hours per week at a fast food restaurant for two months. Hain, her name, the woman who did this, um, Rosemary Hain, who's 39 years old, uh, Rosemary Hain said she's going to do it. And uh, this comes courtesy of Fox 8 News in Parma, Ohio, uh, who was actually in the courtroom when the judge handed down his sentence. I would encourage everyone to go and look at their story because they interviewed the judge who was basically like, why should we as a city have to pay for her to be in jail for 90 days when she's, you know, needs to learn a lesson? And it made me smile. (laughs) Totally. Totally. You got another one? Yes, I do. Okay, so there's a woman uh, who helps rescue stray dogs in uh, Montgomery County, Texas, and there was a dog that got its head stuck in a cat automatic feeder and was walking around with this plastic jug (laughs) on its head and everybody called the dog Jughead and it was using like the side of the feeder to like scoop up food and try to eat it was real pathetic and so but they couldn't catch it because it was so scared of people and so this woman um basically did a stakeout over the course of 30 days she made 25 trips to try to catch him and she said there were three different days where i was there for 24 hours straight all the other days i was there for 10 plus hours she had a thermal scope watching this dog in the dark and the dog had this one buddy that was always with it and so she was trying to get the both of them in the cage the you know enclosure cage to catch mm-hmm. him at the same time and she finally caught the dog and now it's in foster and it's a very cute story and it <laughs> made me smile that's pretty funny i know (laughs) that's pretty funny oh my lord oh my lord (laughs) all right what's yours uh so ever since twitter went the way that it went and and uh, with threads just kind of picking up and not really i've been spending more time on instagram and this is really Mm -hmm. just a a a quick comment on the joys of serendipity so i'm flipping their instagram yada yada blah 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 and this thing comes up this reel comes up and it's uh this woman on a sailboat and very long story short her name is Cole Brower, and she's trying to be the first. She's in a race called the Global Solo Challenge, which, as it implies, is a solo sailing race around the world. And she's trying to become the first American woman to race solo, uh, nonstop, around the world. And so I've been following her for like two weeks. And in that two weeks, and she is 
all alone in the middle of the ocean on on a, you know, obviously well-equipped sailboat, but she's all alone in the middle of the ocean. And just Pretty like scary. in the in the yeah, and in like in the last two weeks, she's she's put up footage of her boat broaching in the middle of the night and going ninety degrees over, and the sail getting in the water, and getting thrown across the cabin. I just this woman has guts and a spine of steel, and if you're looking for a vicarious thrill, which uh, I kind of do outdoor adventure wise, right? I, I like to read about mm-hmm. mountain climbers and trekking to the pole and you know all that jazz. This woman, holy cow, holy cow. Anyway, it's just cool. We'll put a link on our show page, but it's just kind of the joys of serendipity is is what I wanted to talk about there because I just kind of found her and it was kind of cool. Yeah. It's kind of wild. Serendipity. Yeah. That's why I still love getting the print um, version of the newspaper yep. because I yep. always yep. Totally. Uh, land on stories that I would not like just stumble upon and 100%. Click, actively click on. 100%. Right. Yep. Okay. So that is it for us today. We are going to be back tomorrow. But before we go, we do want to thank you once again for being part of the Make Me Smart community. Um, y'all are more than listeners. You send us comments on all the different platforms. Uh, you know, you can find us on Instagram and we're on Discord sometimes. We're on you know, X, I guess. No, we're not officially on X. No, no. Anyway, mm-hmm. <laughs> we're not on X anymore. You send us questions and comments that really do help shape the show and our episodes. You participate on YouTube. That's always a lot of fun. And you really are a part of this show. And with the election year coming up, as we've been discussing, you know, we're going to be here with you and you hear us processing it. I know that y'all are processing it. And I hope that you will find this a good space to process the news, to analyze the news and, and get some smiles, you know, while we're while we're here. None of this happens, though, uh, in the absence of your support. Kimberly and I have the best jobs in the shop, right? We get to sit in front of the microphone. But whether it's Marketplace Tech or The Morning Show or any of our podcasts, uh, other podcasts or or Marketplace itself, um, there's an army of people. um, And it takes some time and it takes some support. So uh, any amount that you can, we'd appreciate it. Marketplace.org slash give smart. It is, by the way, Half Price Hoodie Week for another couple more days. So hit us up. Get a hoodie. Make Me Smart is produced by Courtney Bergseeker. Ellen Rolfus writes our newsletter. Today's program was engineered by Juan Carlos Torado. Ben Talladay and Daniel Ramirez composed our theme music. Our senior producer is Marissa Cabrera. Bridget Bodner is the director of podcasts. Francesca Levy is the executive director of digital.